0: My fourth episode of the soccer show, and my fourth guest is Reese McCabe. How's it going?
1: I'm good, mate. How
0: are you? I'm good, thanks. Um, good, well, I suppose thanks for coming on anyway. Um, haven't haven't seen you in a while, but I suppose we, we we still keep in touch.
1: Definitely, yeah. Long time. I think
0: right. it was over Christmas time in it last year. Yeah, it was. Yes, Not that was oh, that was, that was some trip. <laughs>
1: Over to Edinburgh, so it was yeah, good Edinburgh. to see you. So hopefully, we we'll catch up
0: soon. Ah, yeah, definitely, definitely get across. Um, well, I suppose we can start off by, obviously, your, like whereabouts you're you're from and that, and and where you started playing.
1: Basically, yeah, just like any kind of normal kid, I suppose. Um, local team. Um, started winning a few matches and got the bug for it, and then obviously realizing that we had a. A bit of potential in our little boys' club team, uh, Muriston, uh, local to me in Livingston, just outside Edinburgh. We decided to go through the aid groups and we were getting noticed by a few scouts and stuff, um, and then went into the Rangers Pro Youth setup.
0: Yeah, and um, obviously, like you come from a strong football background, obviously, with your, with your auntie, um was uh, the Scotland manager as well, and obviously, I know you, you kept in touch with her from from all the times that I've been playing with you and that and obviously it must be, it's obviously in the blood.
1: Ah, oh, definitely. Um, Obviously Shirley Mante has went on and done her own thing um, in the women's game, which is great. So even if it's not kind of football, we've got a cousin and stuff who's into motocross and different events and that. So we're, my cousin obviously plays in the same team as me now. Um, so like you say, it's probably a bit a natural thing being into sport. Um, I would say we we're the most academic uh,
2: in the world but
0: now uh, we definitely took the to sport that would be quite easy yeah uh, as, as, as you can see like but obviously you started um, playing with Rangers obviously all the way up that's obviously your your team that you support and team that team that you love and then obviously signing for them like how what was the feeling like for signing for like your your boyhood club ah uh, kids, be kids dream, I, suppose.
1: Um, I mean ages of 10 11 12 you go to the games and you're supporting them, watching them on the T V and at that name um, at that point, sorry, they had big names playing for them. Um, and you'd go and watch them on a Saturday, you know, and you didn't think uh, anything was gonna come of it. They were, they were just going kind of heroes, so to speak, and then gradually, like you say, you go into the youth setup up and stuff and you become a little more familiar with the surroundings and you maybe catch eyes with a few of the first team when they're walking in the same building and stuff and just surreal really, it was like anybody I'll tell you that's been through the, the youth setup. It's, it's a bit of a kind of star moment when you see the stars that you've watched on the TV and supported as a kid almost in the same building and stuff as well so that is it's definitely also something that I'm really really proud of
0: yeah that's what it, like it is people probably don't realise that <laughs> Like when you're in in that academy and say like when you see all the first team players and going around and you are probably eating in the same canteen and and seeing them around. Like what was it like, say, getting called up for your first training session with the first team?
1: Oh, a bag of nerves. Um, I, before they used to have I don't know what it's like in England and certainly in Ireland, but it was you you played almost two years so you done a year at like seventeen and you jumped up to nineteen. Like the first year 17, first year nineteen and then you played there for two seasons, so normally the lads who were doing well at the 19s in their second year were going up and almost making the numbers up for the the first team, you know, like possession drills and just being the spare men, so there two or three most sessions getting called up just to, to go and make up the numbers, but even then, for a youth player to go up and even if you were not collecting the kit, it was a big thing, and I just remember, obviously, the, the first team, I think I had a game, and they so were obviously doing a recovery session, and the lads who hadn't, Obviously, played uh, much minutes on the, the Saturday were we're doing a little bit extra and they required a few bodies, so there were a few that got called up. and I just remember the blood going through my body, just shaking and that kind uh, of feeling that, oh, please don't go up here and have a nightmare. Um, and then before you know it, it's passed. You're sitting there at three o'clock and I'm phoning my dad, texting my dad, and whatever, saying, oh, I'm training with the first team today, and obviously, he's How like, How's it go Asking you a million questions, you know. And, just one of them things that it went in a flash just training there's not much you can actually remember of the training session but you just kind of you take that in and it's obviously something that, that most kids will, will probably tell you if they're trained with the first team everyone always asks you that question like what was it like what was it like but it's hard to describe because it goes that fast because your emotions are elsewhere you're worried too much about I hope they don't think I'm rubbish here I don't I don't want to take a bad touch I don't want to let myself down so nah, just one of them things I suppose yeah
0: like late- Obviously, going off training with the first team—it's I know it's the the dread and thought of am am I working hard enough? Is my touch good? What are they going to think of me? Like, but what was your? You know, when you made your debut, like, what was that feeling? Yeah. What was the actual feeling like? Because obviously, not many people probably get that experience to do with your boyhood club. Yeah, but well,
1: to be fair, I made my debut at Hearts at home, and obviously Rangers were going through a bit of, a bit of trouble off the field, and I knew in the. The Thursday I think it was when we done a bit of shape so I had a few days to prepare and Alan McCoy at the time just told me and said listen look, you're up here, you're training with the first team regular now, you're, you're up here on merit so don't think that you're getting thrown in here because of an injury or else you're, you're in here because you're, you've been doing really well, just go and play your own game so on that aspect it was it was quite relaxing but when it comes to the game near the Friday night you're not really sleeping and then come the Saturday you're going to have your pre-match meal and your you're trying to force something down you, you have no appetite, you're just nervous, don't want to go out and make a mistake, and it's just one of the things, I suppose, that I'd imagine it happened to everyone.
0: Yeah, that's, obviously, like, your adrenaline gets you through it, and you probably don't even, it's probably the same as your first training session, you don't even probably remember most of it, um, but, like, your first, your, your first, um, derby there between Celtic and Rangers I just like what was that experience because like? I know you got man to match in one I remember obviously you brag about it a lot so um, I'll let you kind of uh, go on uh, from there the
1: first, the, the first derby game um, like I say Rangers were in a bit of trouble at that time so it felt although it was an old firm game and there's always pressure on it the pressure was on Celtic you know it was it was one of them games that they were almost supposed to come and win because of everything that was going on off the field um, and I just remember going out and I had good toes around me at that time. Stephen Davis, David Weir, loads of people in the training ground and stuff. And just kind of going out there and just making sure that the first pass, first tackle and stuff and obviously being a, a eye blocks as well really helped. I think like the first 10-15 minutes. We really kind of made our mark in the game, which stood me in good stead. I went on and obviously had a good game. Um, it could have been a lot different depending on how we started. But we went and obviously won the game. So
0: everyone remembers the can kind of positive side of yeah. Yeah, that's obviously but like what was the atmosphere like? I've like I've been to a I've been to a Celtic game, I haven't been to a Celtic Rangers game, but like what was the atmosphere yeah, like?
1: Up a little
0: bit, Mike, can you speak up? Uh, what was, what was the atmosphere like playing in the Celtic Rangers game? Like obviously I've been to a, a Celtic game and like obviously it wasn't Celtic Rangers but the atmosphere it's it's something else. <laughs>
1: Uh, it's, it's hard to describe mate to be honest um, obviously being a, a fan I'd imagine all the boys of Ireland there will be Celtics supporters and stuff and you go on there trying to take information from, from fellow players and and there's nothing you can really hear it's just like a kind of dull noise and then you can feel the stadium shaking and and stuff so a lot of the information that actually goes on in the field you can't really hear a lot of instinct you've just got to kind of go back to what you've learned on the training pitch and kind of play your own game but it's not until after that things sink in after the result that you can kind of take a breath and, and have a look about and realise, like, the atmosphere here is electric. Um, and even that goes, even at Celtic Park, we went, obviously, the following star we played, we got beat, um, 3-0. Um, and again, both, both, both sets of supporters, it was just, it was incredible. Like, I've never experienced uh, an atmosphere like it in, in all my football days so far, so
0: yeah, and um like what was Ali McLeist like with you? Was he was he one of those that was arm around the shoulder or was he if he did something wrong he'd be basically straight up your hole?
1: Uh, to be honest mate, I think there's a perception going about just because of what you see him on the on the T V that he's a happy but lucky guy, he'd fully carry on and good banter and stuff, but he was he was a very good coach, I'll give him that. He was very good the young boys, he set standards for that when boys he did a kick up the backside. It was on them regardless of what level you played at or how many caps for your country you had. You almost gained that respect right away. Um but he had that good balance and I really enjoyed it again he had these coach coaches staff round about him, Kenny McDowell, Ian Duran, um Billy Kirkwood from the, the youth setup and, and the kind of younger coaches round about him that you weren't gonna go up there and, and mess about. Even the first team lads will tell you that, that the, the lads like Stephen Davis, you know, he went on and over over 100, 100 caps for each country and the standards that they set from the, the coaching staff and then transferred onto the players was it was something that every day you had to be on it in training and you had that also kind of good banter side as well it wasn't so serious you could go and approach them you could have a little bit of banter crack a few jokes when training was finished you know
0: yeah that's like you know when you were in that first team environment like was there many like were you did you get many pranks on you or were you kind of like a, a standoff or what, like what, like what was kind of like being in an, an actual changing room with players like Stephen Davis in there?
1: Um, it, It's funny, it's like, it's almost like a switch goes on, it's like everyone jokes about, you'll know yourself, having also been at Villa and, and different clubs that before you go and you eat your breakfast and different things and you're playing a little game of darts or two touch, and you're kind of waiting for training to start, and then it's almost like right once it hits ten o'clock, and you go to start. Right, that's it. Tools down, you're ready to go training, and everyone just kind of goes into that kind of selfish mindset that the standard in training, regardless of your best mate. There's flying into tackles. There's you know boys putting demands on each other, and that goes for everyone, not just on the young boys. Um, back then, they a little bit harder on the young lads, I suppose, but it's only trying to give them a a good kind of pedigree and background for when they go on to, to become a bit older in the game they can pass on that kind of knowledge that they've learned um, but the first team lads were, were excellent I mean we had some some big names at the time um, like I said before international experience played in Champions League Europa League and stuff so for them as well just to even watch them every day in training and um, little pointers and stuff that they would do and I'm sure I wasn't the only one. You'd go away and you'd almost be saying, Jesus, Stephen Davis, what a player. Did you see him in training the days? He's, he's incredible. You couldn't get the ball off him on a phone box, you know? And just little things like that. I used to take away little details. I remember, obviously, a close relationship with my dad. I used to phone him and stuff on the way home. And I'd be like, oh, dad, you should have seen certain players play. You should have seen uh, David Healy finishing the day of training. Like, I've never seen anyone like have a good standard of training like this and
2: yeah. it makes
1: you feel almost when you're a young boy and you're going up there and you're doing well for your youth team 19s and resies you're scoring a few goals or you're doing well and you got up there and it's almost like a reality check like I few miles off it here do you know what I mean?
0: Yeah like like I suppose the whole like the whole thing of obviously Rangers with the off the field troubles and like obviously Rangers being such a massive club like for you for you to leave was it a hard decision? were you to leave, obviously, with all the with the financial troubles, and I know, I know you got a lot of stick and probably a lot of threats as well. But like like how what how are you feeling leaving Rangers, or was it was it an easy decision?
1: Nah, I was devastated, mate. To be honest, um, I still had a a four year deal. I signed a new contract, I think six months before, a new extension. And um, I was doing really well for, like I said, the 19s and reserves and stuff. And I started getting a few sessions with the first team and. They were taking a bit of interest in me, knowing my first name, and asking me to join in training and stuff. And then, like you said, there was a lot of off the field trouble. That, to be honest, a lot of players didn't really know much information about. Um, it was a lot to do with the kind of hierarchy at the club, and the club was in real turmoil. Um, and I remember I was away; I went on holiday with the misses, and I remember just being on holiday, and my dad had told me, "Say, listen, if there's any updates with the football." Uh, I'll give you a message or I'll phone you, but try and just get kind of switch off. You're on your off season, um, and just get ready to go when you come back. And I remember my dad phoned me when I was on holiday, and just said, "There's been a an a, sorry, a letter sent from from Rangers at Charles Green, um, basically all this stuff about transferring to a new company and, and whatnot." And well, a young boy, you know, I was eighteen, nineteen at the time it's a lot to take in and especially when you're not cleaned up in that field so I went and we took uh, we took advice from the the PFA in Scotland um and they said listen obviously Rangers don't know at that point are they going to get relegated are they going to get a point deduction there was kind of a lot of unanswered questions that dragged on It just now teams are going back to pre-season three, four weeks Rangers lads still weren't back in we weren't sure what was happening and we, you know, we refused to, to transfer over on the basis that we didn't know enough information. Um, that's where the stick comes from, I think. People think that you left and you done it for X, Y and Z reasons, but it was purely for the fact that we didn't know what was going on. Um, I think it's well documented there was about five, six players returned to, to training when they were going back to pre-season. And for a couple like Rangers to be in that much turmoil with a fan base and everything about it, it was just you kind know, of there's so much confusion going on that we needed a bit of clarity um, especially for me like I said I had a few years left in my contract so for me it was I was asking the older pros and we had meetings regular with the first team and creditors and stuff coming into the club and we were getting no further forward weeks and weeks down the line there was new things coming out in the press and the paper and it was just all a bit a big mess and a big confusion so time dragged on and we got to the point it was teams were playing their pre-season friendlies and stuff we hadn't done much training at all I I'd been training with my mates keeping myself fit ticking over doing my kind of off-season programme and then I went down and spoke to a couple of clubs Everton Sheffield Wednesday and Sheffield Wednesday made it clear that they were going to sign me uh, to be a part of that first team kind of set up which I'd just had a previous taste of the at Rangers I'd played the nine games and I'd had that bug that I didn't want to go back to playing youth team football without kinda of getting myself too carried away. That I felt that the next challenge and step for me wasn't to go and play youth team football, it was to go and challenge myself against top pros, you know. Um so when the opportunity came I went and met the manager, drove down um and I took the decision from there.
0: Yeah, like and like how did you find adjusting to when you signed with like with Sheffield? I know it's it's probably not too far from Scotland, like, if you would have went down to, to, Rain- or to Everton, it would have been obviously a bit further, but, like, how did you find the Justin's would with obviously, with, like, with your misses and, and all that happened, was it, was it hard, or was it, was it just, like, you're like, this, this is my life, now this is what I have to do? No, like I say, um, I'm one of them characters, you know, that, I like to
1: think that nothing really fazes me, I'll give everything a pass, i have been fortunate that, when I was in Rangers, I'd stayed in digs and then I'd, I'd got myself flat through there, um, so I'd kind of already had a taste of living away and kinda looking after myself. It was more so my missus, you know. My missus gave up her unit to go and obviously help me kind of chase and follow my dreams, so she moved down there and um, went to uni and, and Sheffield and stuff and then it was more a case of getting everything off the field settled. Um, the football takes care of itself, you still went to training every day and Nothing really changes, regardless of what club you're at, where you're at. Um, it's off-the-field stuff, um, and I remember, obviously, my, my family and stuff would come down and help me when it came to moving house, looking for a place, um, and just kind of making sure that everything was all right. Um, so, on that kind of, note, I didn't think it was too hard. Um, but, in the same sense, now that I look back in it, that i was a bit older and stuff, the three years I was down there, I, I learned a lot, you know, just life skills. That um, have obviously stood me in good stead. Now I've got a a wee one, a little girl, in that now that, regardless when she becomes a bit older and stuff as well, I'll be drilling you kind know, of the same messages and, and stuff into her as what I was obviously taught when I was younger. So there's definitely you kind know, of pros and cons to take away from from staying away.
0: Yeah, like and how, how was Gary Maxon was you, Like when you signed first, was he like?
1: Well, Gar- Gary Megson, at the time, I, I think they. They got promoted for League One and Gary Megson had left the, the month or two before. And Dave Jones, ex Cardiff manager, he was in, so that's who I met. But obviously, Gary Megson's got a, a big reputation at the club, and obviously, there was Lee Bullen, who was the, the assistant manager who's Scottish, played at Falkirk and whatnot, so all automatically kind of took a little bit of a I don't know what to say, like a kind of friendship to him because obviously, being Scottish and a young kid that he kind of looked after us as well as, as Dave Jones coming in and he was, he was old school that's what I would say about him you know he, he's training and stuff but one thing he was good at he was a good manager he didn't really take too much of training but you could go in and speak to him on a day to day basis and he would just tell you straight which is what I like in a manager you know
0: yeah yeah, I know. That's, obviously that's a, that's a big thing especially for a young lad moving down if you can go in and knock on a manager's door a lot of people are they'd have that the managers would have that kind of that oh about and that, no, I can't go speak to him, like, in all that kind of way. But, um, like, it's, like, how did you find the first year of, obviously, playing, training and playing the English League? Like, what was that, what was that feeling like?
1: Well, it was great. I mean, I went down there and almost kind of just hit the ground running from where I left off at Rangers. I went down the first season I was playing pretty much every week. Um, and, you know, you're selling the Championship in England. It's Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, so you've never really any time by yourself to think about anything so I was away from home a lot of the time travelling, staying in hotels and it was almost just a case of right, we're on to the next game, we're on to the next one, the next one so the football side of it just kind of snowballed and took, took effect from that so that was fine. My message I think found it a little bit hard because if I was away staying in London, if we had a match down in London, she'd be in the, the house herself and I'd imagine she'd have been quite lonely you know, she's kind of gave up everything to come and and stay with me, and be a part of my life down here. And I'm away maybe twice a week, staying in a an hotel. And um, so I'd, I'd probably say that it, it affected more of my misses and and whatnot than it did actually me. I was quite laid back and just to get my stride.
0: Yeah, yeah, because like, that's the other side of it that people probably don't see, is like the like the sacrifice you do is for, for family and for misses, like it's it, it's so different that people don't see that the off the field that it plays a massive part in how you play on the field.
1: Oh, def- definitely um, obviously being close enough to you to, to go through certain kind of situations and stuff that there's a lot of things that people can kind of bottle up in that as well um, but to be fair I can say that the club the secretary uh, Lindsay Taylor and stuff at the club would have my missus mobile number you know and any time that we were staying away listen you're more than welcome to come and beat us for a coffee in the local shoot- uh, supermarket and Shops and stuff, so they were always kind of making sure that we were all right. And there was obviously a few players about my age Paul Corey, obviously, being over in Ireland, was with me as well. Um, another young lad coming over away from home. So, um, like you said, it's, I think more so, well, from my point of view, it kind of took its effect more on. The off-field stuff was to do with my missies and kind of everything else going on. The football side, it, nothing really changes. It's a football team and you want to play and you want to win and you've got that mentality. But I could imagine the second season, towards the end of the second season, my third season at Sheffield Wednesday, I didn't really play much. I was in the squad and I was on the bench and in the stand and stuff. And when you're not playing and obviously you're disheartened. You're, you're thinking to yourself, I'm down here. Game, <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, obviously your first loan move then was, was down to Portsmouth down when, when I was there that's how we first met and there was a few characters down there anyway <laughs> Cy Ferry that's that's one My that favorite. sticks out uh, God. absolute character I know we have a few stories <laughs> alright but <laughs> I remember coming down um, also when I met you
1: and stuff uh, I remember coming down everyone had spoke to Chris McGuire was up at Sheffield Wednesday with me and he said Oh, going down to Portsmouth You'll love it down there It's great Get in touch with the big kit man He'll look after you Big Kev So me thinking Oh, he'll sort us out With some gear Training gear and that He'll look after us And I remember getting down there Obviously getting shown about And automatically You're a bit nervous And boys are in the change room And stuff And you're in your clobber And you're looking about I'm Going, oh, how's you, how you doing? Race, nice to meet you And he says, yeah Come into my, my kit i will get you sorted out And they put the boxing gloves on And went, right We're going for a minute to Sparring session <laughs> And I remember my face just dropped and I was thinking, Is he for real here or what? and obviously I had that amateur boxing background so yeah. the lads to just get it quiet and then I phoned Chrissy later on that night and I said, Well, you've stitched us up a belter here. I had to go in and spar with him for a minute and he, you know your cell mate, he's at six and six. <laughs> he's a monster. And I remember going away thinking, What have I find here? Why have I find down here uh. But I loved it. I loved every minute it down there, it was a great place. It
0: was, it was great, wasn't it? It was the whole the whole atmosphere and the whole the whole town was it, it was something I've never experienced before. Like, and I remember even going out and living on the marina and stuff, and with with Jed Wallace and and a few of the other lads. But it was—I just thought I loved it down there. If I could have stayed, I remember I was. I went down for my second loan, and I was meant to. They were on about signing me, and they were like, "Look, we'll see how we go for next, but we want to sign you. And I had an absolute stinker. I was good, that no, I didn't. But your, but your loan like, uh, like en- ended short because you had to go back to to Sheffield Wednesday, and you start, you start kind of playing again, didn't you?
1: <laughs> Yeah, because I came down and I think there was about eight weeks left of the season. And again, I wasn't playing at Sheffield Wednesday and I was thinking, I need to get out. I'm coming up to the end of my contract here. I need to go and at least get myself in the short window by playing games. We're going to see what level. So going down there, I was thinking, brilliant. And then Richie Barker obviously signed us. And I think he got sacked on the, the Tuesday. We played, we lost to... Uh, I can't even remember who it was and no, he got the sack yeah. and I'm thinking I've just signed here on loan and hoping to play the last eight, ten games and he's been sacked what will that mean for me you know and he, the young uh, youth team manager came in and he went with obviously a bit of experience and stuff and I was thinking oh god is this going to affect me and in, in what way and so I'm on the phone at my agent at the time and I'm going "What's what's happened here the manager's just been sacked like what will that mean for me and then I ended up obviously getting in the team playing um, am sure I set you up for a world of go if I'm right yeah. uh, and then Sheffield Wednesday had a few injuries and recalled me early for the last three games of the season so I went back and played the last three games but I knew my time was up there um, I hadn't been playing and it was almost a token gesture that we had kind of a short squad and you're going to come back and, and play so uh, I knew from pretty much the January that there was going to be nothing, nothing there, and that I was there to get myself
0: in the shop window and and try and play some games. Yeah, look, no, remember Richie back getting getting sacked and like knowing people say, oh, like like the managers lost the dressing room. I've never felt that before, and obviously, like when I was with Villa, like I think I had well, I was a four managers in three years, and, and I was never obviously in the first team dressing room to get that feel for. Her. But it's mad the way is that. The manager can actually lose the dressing room, and players can actually go against them. Like, and the feeling that was in there, I just thought was—I just thought it was mental. I never had that. <laughs>
1: That, that, that's the thing. I just remember coming like I say, I came down, and I played I think I arrived on the Friday, so it was about a four hour journey. I came down, stayed in a hotel, played on the Saturday, and I think we lost one 0 at Fratton Park and you, the supporters there are brilliant. They were
2: yeah, unreal they were
1: still singing singing in their numbers and stuff and I'm going, like, what a club here, this is League Two and they got twenty odd thousand like cheering them on and then it was out of the blue so I didn't really know what the, the feeling was like in the dressing room, I knew they had good characters, I mean, you talk about Cy Ferry, I mean, what a character, <laughs> I remember coming down, and obviously introducing myself to everyone, and you're a bit shy and, and nervous, and I remember he had a pair of chinos on that were about ten sizes too small for him, a pair of rogues on, and like a vest, a rabsy nerd vest on, and I'm thinking, this boy's at the wind-up here, surely, and that's just how he was, he was everyone loved them and you mentioned a few there, Jed Wallace, um, the big boy, uh, Adam Webster, obviously, went on and kicked on and and was doing really well at Brighton, so there was good players there and the dressing room itself was was good. I loved it down there. It was like a, almost like a bit of a holiday, holiday destination that you went and you walked and you enjoy your football. After training, we used to go and grab a coffee, sit down the beachfront, do, you know, go and do a little bit of shopping and, go and get a bite to eat and stuff so I, I really enjoyed it I haven't got a bad word to say about Portsmouth yeah. um, as a place or even as a club
0: No I just thought it was fantastic I remember right even after a train we'd have a day off on, on the Wednesday and we'd all be on. The, we'd all be out and drinking on the Tuesday and I was like what wow, is this what first team is like I just that was, remember just That, that was snitch.
1: like a, a standard thing you know and yeah. obviously being younger at the time you didn't take much persuading to, to, to go you know it was a case of either played on the, the Tuesday or with the wednesday off as most clubs do and it was a case of right lads we're in training we're meeting here at six seven o'clock um and we're going out and it was a case of like all right sounds let's
0: go <laughs> I, just thought was, I just thought it was brilliant i absolutely loved it and then it was
1: brilliant you know, but it's, it wasn't the only club i mean it happened even at rangers it happened most clubs have been out your you're off a of wednesday and because of the student nights Sheffield was the exact same um
0: two universities there, so there was a night on somewhere every night of the week. Oh, I was Yeah no, I I remember we used to remember I think it was that we went went down Essex actually. But I think remember we won four one. I think you, you actually set me up for that's I think my second goal there. I read? scored a screamer and Yeah. I don't I think that was the only good thing I ever did down there. <laughs> Um, well anyway like um, Obviously after the, the Three years with Sheffield um, Obviously you moved back home Back to the, like f- uh, Familiar like surroundings And that Like how was How was that Kind of Leaving Sheffield And going back up home How did you feel
1: Well Like I touched on earlier It was a bit more like, The in of mental side of it, You know I'd, I'd, yeah. The first season and a half I was playing and stuff So Everything off the field Doesn't come into play And then the last season I'm not playing so you're disheartened you're thinking Jesus I'm, I'm not wanting to be here like I'm getting messages and phone calls from my mates and stuff and family back home like, oh, looking forward to seeing you at Christmas and I'm thinking you'll not see me at Christmas because we're playing Boxing Day and we're staying in an hotel Christmas Day and the chances are I'm not going to play you know and I'm sitting there disheartened so after the contract was up which I knew regardless that I was going to be going elsewhere um I said to myself, and I'm, my missus, I said, listen, I want to go somewhere that, first of all, I'm going to go and enjoy my football again, because I think I lost that a little bit. Yeah. Um, and I went, obviously I thought, right, I'm going to go back up to Scotland. I'm familiar surroundings, like you say, I'm closer to home uh, in regards to family, friends, get good networking, good people around me. Um, and that it was an easy decision for me but it was a hard one because I knew on a football level that the level that I just played at and been a part of for two seasons was going to take a hit but at that point for me it was more a case of you need to go and enjoy your football and if you're going to enjoy it nine times out of ten you'll be playing well and if you're enjoying your football you're happy you know there's nothing worse when you're playing football and you're not happy and you're off the field. Trouble start taking its toll on you, and just stupid little things that really shouldn't have an effect on you, but they end up having a massive effect.
0: Yeah, that's what I mean. Like obviously, from like the mental health side, like moving back, did you like obviously from knowing you and how professional you are, and like your attitude, you used to always that's something I always used to admire about you. Was your was your attitude no matter where? <laughs> and you'd always get the best out of yourself which was which was which was hard because I remember even even at Pats like like we've like there were stages there where you you weren't really playing and everyone was kind of like why why aren't you playing but you've always stuck to yourself you've always trained well being professional and I know that's our job but that was always a thing that I used to always say geez that's what I need to do because my probably attitude probably wasn't wasn't the best best back then But, but obviously going back to to Scotland you went down to the lower leagues and did did you think that was the right move for you like as obviously the standard you were obviously a much better standard but did you think this was just going to be take a step step down to take two steps up
1: Uh, pretty much yeah the the latter I thought uh, to be honest that thought probably never even came across my mind um, about whether it was a step back or too forward it was more a case of that for a long season you know it's like in football especially when you're not playing the season flies in when you're playing well and you're enjoying your football and when you're not playing it takes a, a decade you know and I got to the point that I was going I'm now 21 I'll be 22 I'm still at a good age that you know I've not went and played 3-4 years down somewhere and I'm at an age that I'm in my 30s now and I'm looking at, right, I've maybe got 5 five years left in the game, um, what am I going to do? So I thought I should have plenty of years left in there if I have no injuries that are really going to detect whether I play football till I'm 25 or 35 and it was basically a case that I needed to go and enjoy my football and I knew Dunfermline just from being up in Scotland was a massive club, um, similar to a bit of Portsmouth in a false position, they've got a great fan base, great stadium, and they had a few financial troubles years back, and I've just basically struggled to recover from, from that to gain uh, promotion back up to the FPL. I mean, if you ask anyone here in Scotland, they're an FPL club, but they're playing in the Championship um, in Scotland. It's, it's a weird one, you know, and the fan base and stuff and everything, I thought, like, that's the, the kind of best atmosphere for me to go and play. You're still showcasing what you can do in front of fans And the game is going to be watched You know, We went out and won League 1 by however many points And we went up to the Championship And I think it's, you can see yourself with Hearts and Hibs and Rangers When they were down there It's dog eat dog it's
2: yeah.
1: Rangers took two seasons to come out Hibs took two, Hearts three it's, it's one of them things that it's, everyone's cup final every week to play a big team. So it's not just as straightforward as you're going to win every week. You're going to some grounds and you're thinking, Jesus, it's like Sunday League here, you know? Okay. Um, and you're having to roll the sleeves up, which, to an extent, I could do as a player, but it's not my game. my <clears throat> so about getting on the ball and, and playing good football and stuff. And sometimes when you're going to places that... <laughs> the kind of pitch and the facilities aren't helping you've got to almost say right I've got to adapt my game here and, and try and grind out a result so it was it was one of them ones that I enjoyed it even though there's maybe the, the standard was wasn't obviously as good as the championship in England but I enjoyed it because I was playing and it, it got to the stage that I was back enjoying my football so like I said before the off the field stuff my missus was a bit happier family happier I could go home you know any time that there was a family event uh, weddings stuff like that I could go and, and see family who I hadn't seen for a year two years you know
0: yeah yeah I know what you mean Like that's being back home is, there's there's no better feeling and I remember you used to always yeah, have it's, th- it's the it's lovely the cars that
1: people people always say that it's, it doesn't bother me but there is like you say um, you've been over um, to my gaff over here in Scotland and it's a dead community little base club and family's close and there is. There's not no better feeling. I remember I used to get the weekend off if the national break was on down south, and I'd be like, right, I'm straight back to Scotland.
0: Yeah, that's what I mean,
1: home. Yeah, I've got a few days off. I'm going to go home. I'm going to see my, my mates, and my my family. I'm going to have a night out and just catch up with people. And it was almost dreaded. Oh, I need to go back down the road, especially towards the, the last part of my contract. I was going, oh, what am I doing? You know?
0: Yeah, I know. That's it mean. It's always sometimes it can be beneficial. Other times it can't because it. You know you're so close to home that you can just you can just fly home and then you're it's that dread of going back and leaving yeah. everyone again like it's, it's 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 that horrible feeling that again people don't people don't see that side of it they just think you're kicking a ball around you're getting paid for it you should be happy like
1: hundred percent is it's one of them ones that the average Joe who'll go and work nine till five Monday to Friday who would give an arm and a leg to go and be a professional footballer look at it from the outside and think, ah, they're well paid, they do this, they do that, they, they moan about certain things but a lot of things like now, I appreciate things a lot better because, like I say, I've got a little one, I've got a daughter who I can spend Christmas with here. Um, uh, you know, I, I'm at a stage of life now that she had her birthday there and I've got, eight or nine of my relatives, my mum, my dad, her mum and dad, yeah. my grands and, and granddads that are still here just now, I'm thinking they've turned up to a birthday party and, and made memories that I wouldn't have got if I was travelling abroad or I was playing in England or elsewhere on Christmas day, or you're watching what you're eating, you're away travelling to a hotel and it's just one of them things that you won't get any memories back, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah, that's, a, that's, that's very true, I suppose it's about well, them making memories as they say.
1: Um, well,
0: definitely for me yeah yeah that's that's the way it is and like I suppose we're going to move on to to the League of Ireland now but like how did that move come about to come over to, to Sligo because I remember I remember seeing you sign with Sligo and I was like jeez I was kind of like that's a strange one uh,
1: t- to be honest mate it was strange <laughs> <laughs> I was I was playing at Dunfermline and stuff and the season obviously runs May or July until May and the season was up, so the family had offered me a new deal um, and whatnot, so I was in the process of speaking to a few clubs and, and whatever, and Gerald got my, my number, um, and he'd give me a call from my, my agent and, and spoke to me and stuff, and I remember just speaking to him, you know, and I thought, when I hung up the phone, it would messaged me saying, I'm going to give you a ring, and it spoke to David Healy, who I played with at Rangers, and... People that I'd asked about, like, oh, do you know Jerry Little? I don't really know much of him. He says, I take his call, take his call. He's he's well thought of, um, like, take his call. So I took his call and I remember coming off the phone and I'm saying to the missus, I'm going, like, he's, he's the soundest guy I've ever spoken to, you know? Yeah. Um, and she was like, well, what, did, what did they say about the football side of it? I says, Oh, I can't really remember. Do <laughs> you know one of them conversations? I'm going, I, I yeah. can't remember if he spoke about football or, or what. He was just, yeah. like, so sound and I. I to this day, I still keep in contact with him. And I call him like my second dad. He's like, I still ring him up now. How's his boys? Not getting on? How's his family? And his phone's met the blue. And he was just one of them guys that he was so approachable and almost I took to him like glue.
0: Yeah, that's right. Like it wasn't if he was like a like you respected him as, as a manager and what he said went, but you had that relationship like relationship with him off the field, which was a massive thing. I remember going playing around the golf? I think it was me, you. And, and Mitch I think at the time And we went in yeah. At the night We went in and got a pint
1: But <laughs> so that's the thing Like I go, I go back to how it was At Rangers and, and even when we were At Portsmouth There was a time and a place For going out And having a few beers And stuff And You had that kind of Relationship that you knew When not to kind of cross that line But also when boys Need to pick picked up And You know boys are going through Maybe a bit of a hard time That you had that he could put your arm around you And make you feel 10 feet tall I would give you a story now I remember we played we were at Sligo and we were obviously going through a bit of a bad run at the time we were near the bottom of the league I think we were about six or 7th we had won in about 7 seven games and you know what it's like at Sligo the fans and stuff were on his back and I just couldn't get my head around it you know I thought his training was spot on he was approachable like everything the way he came across in his interviews he was spot on with his analysis of the games he didn't kind of hang the players out to dry always took the stick and we came in and he was like he said to me being captain at the time I think you were there actually yeah uh, Reese, what's happening I used to with him after the game what's the what's the crack tomorrow Gaffer? what time are we in are we off and he got, I got a blunt reply saying be in for nine so I thought oh he must be busy he's about having a few beers we miss ease and then so I tried ringing him no answer I tried ringing him again no answer. So he eventually rings me back and I'm in the apartment and the boys are on me, obviously, at least Yuri's, Yuri's boy. What's happening? I says, lad, he's not even answering me. I said, so as far as I'm led to believe, we're in at nine. So time goes past, he phones me back, he says, I get after how are you doing, obviously, sulking, we've just been beat. He says, right, we're, we're in the clock, make sure everyone's got their training kit, running trainers, boots, and uh my like GPS and pills and stuff and I thought, oh Jesus Christ, we're going to get run the balls off here and we went in and typical everyone, you know, that nervous. It seems like three days that you're sitting in the changing room and we're sitting there, what's going on, what's going on, do you think he's going to comfort people, do you think it's going to be a big crisis meeting and he came in with the straightest face and I remember kind of looking at him trying to get a, get something out of him and he just looked and he went, right, everyone pills and your running trainers. Um, I'll be back in like 15 minutes, and then boys are going to ah, ask, "He's at it." And, oh, we're running, we're running, and then he came in 15 minutes later. They said, "What's going on? How is the game?" And the oh, so boys are oh, uh, rubbish, gaffer. You know, there's one of them games we didn't play well. they said, "I like typical went through us about he Went, you're absolutely right. It's not acceptable this and that." And I thought, "Oh, it's going to be one of them weeks of training." And he just said, "Right, everyone get your towels on." I booked as a two hour surfing lesson and then we've booked a strand bar, looking out for a bite to eat and we're getting on the piss.
2: Yeah.
1: And it was one of them boys I thought like any normal manager would have had you in training, looking over video, going over things that you'd probably went through a hundred times before and you know yourself. Sometimes you take it in and sometimes it goes over boys' heads. Yeah. And at that point it was like knew when we were at a low, we'd lost five or six in bounce. And he knew that going over a video or coming in and slaughtering players in front of everyone or doing a training session wouldn't have done us any good. He had that man management that, listen, the boys need a bit of a pick-me-up here. We need a little bit of a bonding session. We went out and went surfing, had a bite to eat and ended up all the boys, I think even like Mo, you know, <laughs> coming out and were we're out there and everyone at the club that was associated with the first team was out coaches everyone on the booze just having a good time and then that training week was lifted the spirits
0: that's what i mean like from the, a,
1: a total low to going in on the, the monday and being full of praise if you just won the world cup yeah you had I, that mentality that it was like strange it's hard to describe me but that's why i've got a lot of respect for him you know
0: yeah that's when that's like his management skills i think were second to none i I always still said he's the, he's, the, he's the best probably manager that I've that I've had definitely man manager like he's, he got the best out of me when when I only came back and he trusted me said I was the main man he, and he makes you feel like that 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 you're like you're the number one no matter who he's talking to he always makes you feel like yeah that's, that's you're the main thing
1: man. I remember when you when you're coming in you came in a bit later and he said to me also you know yeah and whether he said it to your face and then told you a lie, or told his coaching staff a lie, you walked away from speaking him thinking, I'm David Beckham here, you know, I'm I'm the top man. And he just had that kind of presence and, like you say, a good man manager. And he was, for me, definitely, I still keep in contact with him, I've had good coaches over the years, um, real technical coaches, real good kind of sessions that are put on by coaching and stuff but
0: the actual man management and people skills he's by far the, the best I've had yeah oh, definitely just his whole trend and his whole his whole vibe around the place because like I, I love Slake, and I know you did as well we had a apartment right beside each other like and what like I what a group of lads that were that were there with Like at the time I just thought it was it was brilliant to, like and to be honest I, I did want to stay but obviously through different reasons we let like a lot of people left that year and yeah, like say like Myself, yourself. We had Lee Lynch, um, Paddy McLean left. There was a lot of players that left that probably didn't want to because Joe got the sack.
1: well, that that shows the effect for me. That was the the biggest reason, you know. Um, the the club obviously took the decision to to not keep him, and which I didn't quite get because with the resources and stuff that he had. What he got out of that group of players, like you say, a lot of boys would have been happy to sit in their apartment and be quiet, go about their business and go for food and stuff. He brought that, regardless of what kind of characters you were. I mean, we had loads of characters. We had boys who were shy and wouldn't say hello to, to most people. We had that that everyone went out. Yeah. Very rarely did we have a night out and it was a case of, oh, well, there's only four or five boys turned up. <laughs> it was everyone was out and regardless of what that was whether it was you're out for a bite to eat you're out for a few pints you know we playing golf like everyone took part
0: yeah cause, yeah because like I remember towards the end obviously when I came in for that four months remember our form I think if you would have went on from obviously I know the, the season goes for, goes for uh, nine ten months but I think we were sitting third on the table for form after, after that break when we I think I signed um, Lee Lynch signed and he and he signed one or two others like and you could feel like a real shift change. But then when he got to Saco um remember after after Motherwell, that whole situation. It was just uh I just thought it was badly dealt with. That, shamb-
1: that shambles.
2: Yeah. Remember.
1: I I felt from then And that day I remember him saying to me, Listen, I, I could be under a bit of pressure here. That was an Iron Brew cup travelling at four four in the morning. So preparation for that game. You now, obviously, it's a cup game, and you want to represent the club well. And the kind of way that everything went about, it wouldn't have happened to any other club, no. regardless of what standard. And for that to ask players to go out and perform, travelling on a flight at four in the morning, five in the morning to get there, no pre-match, and
0: No even you know, sleep.
1: Kind of, no sleep, and to go out there. And to be fair, we never actually played that bad. Oh. It was. Uh,
0: I know, I remember you and Dave Colley 2 ye played well, and I remember the rest of us, I don't think we were at it too, too well, because I remember, remember, I think Jorah said to me, I think um, I'm really sure you would have bet on the game the way I played. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> but
1: then at the time, you, you've got young lads at Motherwell, who, like I said to you before, it's their cup final, you know, mm. they've got first team guys watching them in the stand, that they're practically to play their best so they can get a call up to, to train with the first team and play, and... I don't know whether you know, but like David Turnbull and that played for, for Motherwell at that time.
0: Yeah. Yeah,
1: was, they were did a good 10, squad. So it wasn't like they were a youth team that were that were bad. Like some of the players have went on and, and and really kicked on to the top level. I mean, David Turnbull's represent Scotland now and he's, like, he's an amazing player and he's playing in that youth team that, as you could see then that although they were young boys, they had good quality.
0: Yeah, they were. They were they were a good So I know they had the advantage in that but, but still it was it was a bad situation and obviously a bad way to end for, I think for everyone at the club, I think, we really fell. But
1: <laughs> I think that is the best word to describe it, it was like, all that kind of work and relationships that he'd built with everyone and that's not just on the, the, the field, you know, even locally about the club and about the kind of the supermarkets and about the sponsorship kind of places and he built all that reputation, you know, that he was well thought of and then... The way that it kind of things played
0: out, and the way that he left, he left a kind of sour taste. Yeah, it did, it did. And a lot of people's, I know, there's probably one or two that were happy to see him go, but I know the 95 percent of the squad were were disappointed to see him go. And obviously, a lot of players left, as you said, and and obviously, um, after that year, then there was obviously a lot of rigmarole, but. Myself and yourself Going to Going to Pats um, As we As we well know And documented And Our Dead chance about us And Remember I think you got spat on I think at one game When we were playing at uh, Sligo The
1: game up at Sligo yeah I think it was the first league game of the season
0: Yeah I think it was the second one yeah was It was the
1: second one yeah I remember it over there And obviously uh, it's, it's one of them ones That it was damage to The way that things were run And we signed there and stuff, on the basis that, well, I don't know about you, but I remember speaking to you and stuff, and I remember at the time, Pats were signing players, you know? Yeah. They'd, I think they finished fifth or fourth, and I'd spoke with, with Garrett Keller, obviously, the owner and stuff, and I remember, like, oh, Mikey's signed, they've signed, Connor Clifford was there, they signed, like, loads of boys, and I'm thinking, these are good, good boys at this level, like, really good players, like, Pats are, are making a go for it. Yeah. And like any football, I'll tell you, you'd rather be playing at the top end than the bottom. And I think, for me personally, when being a flag, like you say, I loved it. Uh, I was captain there, had a great relationship with everyone there. But I just felt like I couldn't really see a, a, a plan going forward. That in the next year or two years, where, where are they going to be? I think they were destined to be a mid-table club the way that they run things. Now, obviously, things have changed. They went on a new manager, and in all accounts they're doing really well. But at that point, I remember thinking to myself, like, who are we bringing in? Yeah. Who are we signing? You know, like to really make a statement, saying Sligo are going to have a right good go challenging for Europe this year, and every other club seemed to be on the front foot in, in Sligo wearing. And obviously, things things played out, and we, we signed Pat.
0: Yeah, and obviously we'll we'll go on go on to that now. like and um, so the squad we had. Remember Chris Forrester. We had yourself We'd, there was so much talent in that In that, even Brandon Miele before obviously um, the ban happened but there was such a good squad there. and I, I remember that, like all my all my friends telling me like oh we were I think it so about 30 to 1 and then we, all of us I think the four of us me, you, Brando and Chris we all signed I, I think within within a few weeks of each other and we went about I think it was about 7 or 8 to 1 yeah. j- just like that and there was great expectation on us and I remember and we just never really fulfilled our potential, really.
1: That, that's that's fair. I, I think that well, is a wonderful thing, but Harry Kenny, who coaching wise and stuff, a lot of the points he, he was dead friendly, yeah. and like I would criticise anyone, you know, who am I to criticise a coach in the game? Um, but there were times when we were underperforming, and there were times when you know me, me, I was vocal. Um, especially when it came to decisions and whatever If I didn't agree, I would speak in a kind of positive, um, professional way, constructive criticism, and I would totally expect it back. And I didn't—I felt like I didn't get it. You know, it was—it was a case of we go over video, and at, at that point I was thinking we're playing certain teams at home who, no disrespect, were nearer the bottom of the league, and all we played well, we knocked it about really well, and I'm thinking we've lost the game yeah. it doesn't matter how you play we've got a, a good squad here that we should be kicking on
0: yeah, like... and
1: it, it was one of them ones that relationship it was almost like a lot of boys got comfortable if you know what I mean
0: yeah it, it was easy Like if you knew if you, know, you played bad you weren't really you didn't really Nothing, care Like
1: any repercussions of oh, I didn't play well this week um, I'll probably be out of the team for next week it was a case of certain players played and whether they played good or bad Seem to play the same style regardless whether you won or lost you played the same way there was no kind of change of tactics for certain teams and it also didn't work
0: yeah no it didn't work well but the third harry i, I had a, a great relationship with him and i think he would have love hate relationship with him but i i thought he was he was brilliant i thought his man management with me anyway i thought was was brilliant and and i've always I've always said that and, I've, and I thanked him For it as well But I think There was a lot of things Going behind the scenes That people were Maybe going behind his back
1: Yeah oh, I, I wouldn't be surprised mate To be perfectly honest um, He was such a nice character That He almost Left himself a bit Open and vulnerable To things like that Happening if you know what I mean
2: Yeah <clears> He
1: <throat> was He was almost too nice That Someone would Stitch him over Or Or say something um, like I say, I, Harry was good with me. I came in and, and started playing and stuff. And I remember I, I had a bit of a fallout with him. And that, this is where, when I didn't obviously, I wasn't playing for a bit, that I had a bit of kind of grief from, as My missy's obviously been pregnant over there. She was back home and she was past the, the, the time where she was allowed to fly. So she moved home to have the baby. And I remember, was it the the May or something we had with like an international break where we had a Yeah, it was that I think it was that mid
0: season break where you asked for that few that few days off. And I
1: hadn't I hadn't been home. So the whole time that she was pregnant, obviously I was living with you. Um I hadn't been home. We'd been kinda of face time and whatnot, but it's not the same and I I remember going to see him and I was one of them ones that if I played at the weekend I had every right to go in and speak to him and ask like but my missus is pregnant but I wasn't playing. And I said to him, I said, "Listen, Harry. I said, my missus obviously is pregnant. She can't go over now. I've not seen her this season, pretty much. Um, I've not been back at all. Um, I think we're off the, the Saturday, Sunday, and I'd ask and I have the the Monday off as well, just to to make it worthwhile, so that I can go and take in a scan and and whatnot with the baby coming. And I, I had no problem. He had no no issue with it at all. And I, you know, I, I admired him for it because it was a time in my life that." everything was up in the air I'm away from home my missus is pregnant and I'm sitting there thinking to myself I'm over here playing football and there seems to be everything in the world going on around me that I'm not in control of because I'm not there to help Yeah,
2: and I remember
1: going home and I came back in on the Tuesday obviously training and again this went on weeks and weeks back in nothing of it everyone yourself lads oh how is it how's the scan oh brilliant great and then Weeks, weeks went past and I wasn't playing. And I remember, you know, you know what I was like. I went in and chapped his door and he was doing video. And obviously, I have the right, wrong attitude, whatever. Um, I said, Listen, Harry, I think I deserve to be playing. He said, In what way? In what way? I says, Well, results prove that for a start. I says, We're not winning football matches, so something has to change. I'm training very well, being professional, and everything I've done. I said, I used to go on the old facts and figures that I used to ask Lee, remember Lee? I used to say, Lee, can you give me the running stats for this week of training? Can you give me the distances and high intensity stuff? Can you give me that please? So I had ammunition to then go and speak to him, you know? Yeah. I remember going and speak to him saying, What's in Harry, like, (laughs) my running stats are there. It's not through lack of effort that I'm on the team. I say, it's for me not playing, I'm doing extra. I'm doing everything I can to show you that I can offer something in that team, which, at that point, I felt the, the team needed, and him and, and Gerald Bryan and sat in, and I remember saying, he said something like a little comment about me being back home, and yeah. it, it, it just, it, it basically made me lose my, my rag, I just, I remember saying to him like, hold on a minute, what did you just say? And he turned around and said something like, you know, like, you going home, or something like that. And I remember, mate, I was I was so close to, to losing my my rag, I remember saying to him, saying, Hold on a minute here, I've got a baby on the way. I've not seen my missus, who's pregnant, who, at that point, she was, like, ready to pop. Yeah. I said, and you're, like, bringing up such a personal matter that if someone there in Ireland, in Dublin, would have been able to go to a scan, had a day off training, would have been able to go, I have two days off, no problem, make sure the family's okay. And it was almost like I was an outcast. Yeah. Yeah. It was such a big deal for me because I was going back to Scotland for this to happen that this was such a big deal and it got brought up at training. And I remember saying to him from that day like, listen Harry, I'll be respectful always to you, to your staff, to everyone, players, and myself. I'll train at 100%. That's one thing that I've had in me since I was a young kid that regardless whether you play or not you set your own standards at training. And I remember from that day thinking
0: to myself i'm done with him yeah yeah because i know i remember going back because obviously we, we had our own apartment together and that and i just remember the whole the whole feeling and it was it was a strange one because i i didn't really know what to to say it to you i remember just just kind of being there and just kind of listening to to what you had to say and I just thought it was strange I think the whole squad knew as well that you should have been playing but look that's its manager's decisions isn't it and
1: of course they so. said, listen that was not the It wasn't about me not playing because somebody was playing ahead of me yeah. it was a case of that I, I felt they were using certain reasons which in my opinion were a load of rubbish to give me an excuse saying oh well you're not playing because of this and I again like I said I went in with stats running stats and training Everything that basically fought my corner saying, well, listen, I need to be playing because we're not performing well enough and my stats and stuff in training, I'm training well and you're not giving me an opportunity here. What do I need to do to get into team? And I felt that they were using little, basically, non-excuses I call them; They were just basically parming me off with, oh, it's not this, it's no that, oh, I know. And I remember one of the training sessions, uh, I, I, I spoke to him, I said, listen, like, what's going on here, Harry? Um, get Gerald Bryan told me um, somebody was suspended I think and oh listen you're going to be playing on Friday or you're going to be playing and I went oh like, good mentally like, preparing myself and I didn't play
0: yeah I and remember I went, that I think I think that was the was that the European game?
1: I, I think it was maybe just before it leading it was... up to it and obviously you've got to play you've got Europe coming yeah. up I'm thinking if I get in the team here I'm confident I'm going in I'm staying in the team and the Euro- Europa League game's coming up, I'm going, this is a good chance to go and showcase the you can play. I remember I didn't play, so I went straight in, you know, me straight in the Monday morning. Yeah. Chapped his door, and Jer was there, and I said, Harry, can I have a you, please? And Jer <laughs> obviously was like, oh, I'll give you a minute. I was like, no, you'd, you'd be all well staying here as well. And I remember just almost having it out with him there and then. Yeah. And I, like When I say have it out with them I'm being respectful You know what I'm saying Your coaching staff This is where It goes back to your point I think people were Maybe a bit Not disloyal That's probably the wrong word But They took Harry for granted A little bit And were a bit snaky Towards him
0: Yeah They were
1: And I remember saying to him Like Harry hadn't He basically Looked at me like a three heads. He went well What do you mean And I said well I've got your Members of staff Telling me That I'm playing on Friday I'm training well I've trained well all week I come in I don't play you've got us in the Sunday and you're moaning about my training session why my attitude's bad or why why you still can reach like what you're not happy about I says what do you mean why am I not happy I says I've been told I'm playing I've then went on and trained really well and I've I've basically been let down I've, no, I've not played I never even got on yeah. I said so something's not right there's a miscommunication somewhere I says not on my behalf I said I'm going on what you guys are telling me, and I remember having it out of the training pitch as well. It escalated out on the training pitch, and they were, what's wrong with you? This and that. I said nothing's wrong with me. Says I'm still training well. I said, but I'm obviously in a bad mood because I'm getting told lies. Simple. Yeah. And then Gerald, Gerald Bryan at the time went, "Oh, what, what do we? I, I never said that." And I remember you were probably at the training pitch. Yeah, of course. I remember calling a few boys over. Yeah. I was like, "Listen, we're settling this right now." Because you know me, I'm, I'm one of these people that if you're straight up, I'll be straight up back with you.
2: Yeah.
1: I remember saying, whether it was yourself or whoever, I remember saying, "Mikey, come over here for a minute. Like, you know, just to, to kind of... <laughs> let's get the, everything out of the table, yeah. if there's any dispute, and then we'll sort it. You know, once once that's been sorted, you move on. It's football, you shake hands, you go and you give 100%. Yeah. And he was denying that he said this to me. I'm then asking certain players, I'm going... What did he say to me on Friday, uh, sorry, Thursday the day before the game? Did he say I was going to be playing? Oh, I don't want to get involved, don't want to get involved. I said, that's the problem. I said, no one's got a backbone.
0: Yeah. I remember, and yeah. I, just, was...
1: kind of, I knew, like I said to you, I knew from, from then, I haven't got a bad word to say about Harry. Like you said, he was he was he was sound to me, you know, and I think a lot of people were going behind his back and, and whatnot uh, with regards to at the club. And round about him But he's got a good reputation For For the League Ireland And what he's achieved So You couldn't Kind of knock him For his, his credentials there yeah. But I just knew After that With the missus being pregnant Then I was like Listen I'll see this season out I'll train well And I'm, I'm off End of the season
0: Yeah No so I remember Yeah because obviously The way it ended I think for a lot of us I think when uh, when, when Stephen came in I just thought Look, we all went. I just thought, I I stopped enjoying my football then, and I remember. I think a lot of, think you were the same, and that's why I I left. But obviously, you went then over to back home to Scotland, and you obviously have have your little one and go back to missing family and that, which is, which is great. And and I and you've started up your own coaching, kind of coaching, um, kind of little project. Yeah. So obviously,
1: to touch on to touch on that, I've I kind of. I don't know him well enough to, to speak too much about Stephen and obviously Patrick Craig came in, but for, for the experience, the short experience that I had, I have zero respect for them whatsoever. Um, I remember that there was no one conversation coming to the end of their contract, even out of courtesy. You know, it's, it, we're adults, we're men, that you have a meeting, you're a new manager, and you come in. I think we went up to Finn Harps and I came on and we scored and we won. And there was no conversation after about the end of the season. I knew, obviously, having speaking to the owners and stuff, that my contract was up and whatnot. And at that point, I had kind of made up my mind, listen, I'm going anyway. And I remember he rung me. I was on the way home to get the ferry, my car and all my stuff. And he rung me on the, the Friday night, was it? Or the, this maybe the Saturday. And I was getting the Sunday ferry home. And he'd said to me, like, well, oh, can you come in at three o'clock or whatever on sunday i said um i, I didn't answer the first because i was packing all my stuff yeah. and i rung him back in fact i messaged him i said um hi gaffer i said i'm no obviously i'm flying home hey, sorry i'm getting the ferry home at early sunday morning like seven eight o'clock in the morning um like i've told you this anyway oh well can you can you come in for two i went what part of this do you not understand <laughs> I've I said to you Like two weeks before When you're asking I say I've put my ferry home For the off season Going home I'm getting the chance For the first This is what people I think don't really realise Is that my, my wee one was born In uh, the June yeah. And the season's still going on yeah. So from June until The end of October I hadn't seen my wee one So I went three months there And I've not even seen My little girl And I'm buzzing I'm looking forward to going home And spending Quality time with the family and I've said to everyone, there more at the time. You know, staff. Sean O'Connor was great to me. Um, he put me up in his, his house and stuff. And uh, when I come over, like it was brilliant. And I remember saying, "Oh, I've booked my ferry home. I'm excited to go and see the V one and, and whatever." And it was almost like, "Oh, well, can you come in on Sunday?" I said, "I've already told you this." I said, "I've booked my flight. I can't change my ferry. I can't change it." Yeah. And. Be honest, I said to him, I said, Listen, um, Stephen, I said, We all do respect. I said, You've had weeks, you've been in the job now. You've had plenty of time to pull me for a conversation, whether it's good or bad, hmm. whether it was, Listen, where we're not signing you, or Listen, we'd like to speak to you about a new contract, or whatever it is. But just, you had plenty of time to speak to me. And you wait until the Sunday after the season to then say, You come at three o'clock, and then, Oh, well going away Sunday or Sunday 2 o'clock and I'm thinking like boys from Dublin are travelling in no problem takes them 20 minutes 30 minutes to get in I'm from Scotland and he's thinking that one I'm an idiot and two that I'm going to kind of bow down to his beck and call
0: yeah I remember that, yeah. I think it was just the whole. I think it was probably a bit his in inexperience as a manager. I think the way, but look, obviously possibly, possibly yeah. Uh, the way they deal I with things don't well is different. To, <laughs>
1: to to criticize or compliment whether he was he's good or bad. I played against him, um, and from all the kind of conversations I have with with players, that good player and he's a good coach and stuff. But I just remember thinking to myself that even as you know, like even as a man, that conversation you know it's it's not like he's 16 yeah and that's where i felt that you know, the respect thing had would went because i'm at an age now that i'm i'm, I'm now i'm I'm, 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 a, I'm a father now and i'm sitting there going that if i'm having a coaching session with a kid now i'll give him details about his session yeah. when he's coming back what the time is for the next week I'll get in touch with his parents or just in a thought like he must think I'm 17 or 18 year old that I'm going to bow down to his back and call come in on Sunday at 3 o'clock and I thought like one for a start that my personal pride that hold on a minute for the level of football that I've played at first of all the kind of age that I'm at I was one of the more senior members of the squad that I kind of almost earned that bit of respect that like I said good or bad it was a conversation that I could have just turned around to him and said, no bother, you know, like, thanks very much, I appreciate your conversation, good or bad, that we could have walked away and nothing would have happened. But, I felt like he, he at least owed me that, you know, yeah. and I didn't get it.
0: I know, it I, I just, I just think that, Probably the best move for, I think, a lot of players were just, I think, to go their separate ways. And obviously some players were his players and other players weren't.
1: Ah, That that happens in football, mate. It's it's the joys of football. You know, people come and go and it's not always going to be nice. But there's a level of respect that I think everyone should have. Player, coach, staff. That you speak to someone on a human level. That you speak to someone in the way that you'd like to be spoken to yourself and that, that's one thing that I, I try and install now and even the kids that I'm, I'm coaching you touch on there I'm doing a little bit of coaching and I'm just slowly getting into it that when I talk to kids first of all I'm not I'm not pet maryola for a start I tell them that the message that I I give them is that I listen the experience and stuff that I've played in the game that I need now that if I can help whether that be advice off the, fit, off the field whether it's tips and stuff on the pitch coaching tips I can help, great, I'll do that. But what we try and do at the coaching academy that I'm involved in now is we try and create good habits. The habits that you can take on are timekeeping, you know, concentration, like setting standards, like I've touched on at training and, you know, having your own personal pride not to be sloppy, that regardless whether you're involved in football or not, you can take them the skills into any walk of life. And that's kind of where the coaching side that I'm at. Because I'll be honest, I never thought I'd, I'd be any coaching. To be perfectly honest, and it's almost
0: kind of it's thrilled me a little. You know. Yeah, I know what you mean. And I suppose that's I'm going to have to wrap it up there because we've been on for probably for about an hour and twenty minutes there, and have Shane there beside me now. Tell me that he's another show to go on so we could
1: talk
0: forever to make i know we, we could talk for days i'd say <laughs> um uh, well Rhys, i really appreciate you coming on and really kind of good insight of of kind of the, the football that that kind of goes on and i'm sure the listeners will, will love to hear then see the different side of of the football over especially in in england and, and scotland no
1: definitely mate i loved it um like I say, I hope you're well. Um, hopefully catch up with you soon when this kind of pandemic relax. I'll, I'll maybe get a, a trip over to Kilkenny or, or get you over to Edinburgh and grab a beer.
0: Oh, definitely. Definitely, definitely. Right, that's perfect. Cheers, okay. Reese. No problem, mate. Thank you. Should. Appreciate it. Bye-bye. Thanks, thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. And that's been the Scoreline Soccer Show. Thanks for Reese McKay for coming on and we'll see you again next week.